Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day. And now here's your host. Hello and welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. This is your host, Jason Day, and we have another great episode for you this week. I had the opportunity to sit down with Todd Adkins. Now, Todd is the Director of Leadership at Lifeway, and there he champions the importance of leadership development really at all levels within the church. He travels the country coaching pastors and churches in the area of leadership development and focuses on creating practical tools and resources to help churches become uh, really as effective as possible in living out God's mission. Now, Todd leads the Popular Pipeline Conference. He's also the host of the 5Q podcast, and he's been behind the development of Ministry Grid, which is a tool that provides training by leading ministry experts in all areas of ministry on everything from the parking lot all the way to the pulpit. Now, on this week's episode, Todd and I discuss the relationship between leadership development and discipleship. And this is a topic that, that many people have written on and discussed, and, and I just love what, what Todd has to say about that. Um, Todd also helps us understand why developing leaders is often neglected in the church and shares some practical suggestions on how pastors can make developing ministry leaders a priority in their unique context. Now, the cool thing is that Todd and the crew at Lifeway Leadership have a special gift for all of our church leaders listeners. So I want you to be sure to listen in for more details on that. You're not going to want to miss out on it. Now, let's not waste any more time, but let's go ahead and dive right in to my conversation with Todd Adkins. Todd, I'm so excited to have you on the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm super excited to be here. Awesome. Now, um, we're, we're looking forward to having you because really leadership is what you do day in and day out, right? I mean, specifically leadership in the church context. And I'm excited about this podcast for our listeners because I'm confident they're going to really gain a lot from our discussion today. And uh, we also have a great free resource from Todd and Lifeway Leadership for all of our church leaders listeners. And we'll talk about that in just a bit. Uh, but to kind of kick this all off, I want to ask a bit more of a personal question, Todd. Okey-doke. You've really given your life to focusing on leadership development in the church. So why is leadership development so important to you personally? You know, I, I think it comes back to uh, to our one job as pastors, which is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You know, we... <laughs> It's so easy uh, to get so caught up in the work of the ministry that we forget that the real work is the people. And we right. spend so much of our time doing versus developing the people. And, you know, for me, it was I moved from, hey, I became a disciple to I became uh, a servant. Uh, I figured out what God had created me to do. And I started to do that. And I felt called to ministry. But it wasn't until a few years into ministry that it really clicked that ministry was really all about developing people. And the only way I learned that was the hard way. I moved from one church to another and came back to a ministry that I had founded and and saw that it was pretty much gone. And all the growth uh, that was there, sure, I had put leaders in place and, and, and some people in place, but it was I practiced leadership placement not leadership development. And so when I went back, it was, it was decimated. So even though I had people in place, even though I had some structure, it was mostly a ministry built on hustle 
and uh, and I mean good hustle. I mean you know going out and doing good outreach and and getting people in uh, and and having quality service and following up with people. Some of those things were there in place, but because I didn't grow the people, I didn't really grow the ministry. It was it was really a lot of smoke and mirrors. Now, Todd, in in ministry, we need to remember many ways. We're really trying to work ourselves out of a job, right? We need to raise up leaders. As pastors, we're wearing so many different hats, and sometimes we need to just step back and realize that we should be spending more time and more energy developing leaders. Is that what you have found as you work with pastors in churches all across the country? Totally. So um, we've had luxury over the last uh, year and a half. We've been with at least 1,300 churches. Um, I, I don't know if I'd say 1,500, but we've been with that many leaders, uh, church leaders. And one of the things that we process during a, a coaching day is leadership challenges. And I'll tell you, nine times out of ten, the things that are written up about leadership challenges are excellence and, you know, having quality people to give the ministry away to and all these things. But a lot of times it boils down to um, pride issues Mm. or we, we sacrifice the one job we have in giving the ministry away on the altar of excellence nearly every Sunday. Wow. And it's just taking enough time to say, yes, Sunday is coming, but I'm going to step back and, I'm going to create some of the processes, some of the systems uh, to really get people to where they need to be. So one conversation that I've been having quite a bit recently revolves around the relationship between leadership development and discipleship. So I'm curious, Todd, how do you see that relationship? Oh, I see those things intrinsically intertwined. You know, a lot of times I used to say, hey, uh, leadership and discipleship are really two sides of the same coin. And now... Uh, I would say it's more like a it's a it's a strand of DNA, you know, that's that's connected and and kind of an upward spiral of development. Uh, the interesting thing is, I think it was John Stott that talked about um, an upward spiral of spiritual maturity and that you begin to come around the same things again and again and again. So in the education space, we would call that concentric learning. And a good example would be, you know, your concept of grace. Well, I grew up in church and, you know, accepted Christ and uh, got into ministry and thought I understood grace. And then I went to seminary and went through systematic and read lots of books. And then I I thought I understood grace, or at least I understood it deeper still. Then I got married. (laughs) (laughs) I understood grace deeper still. And then I had kids Kids, five years later. And wow, I really understood grace deeper still. So I think whether you're talking about something like, you know, grace on the discipleship or theology side or conflict and handling conflict on maybe uh, a competency side that is uh, more of a skill-based thing, I think that we continue to grow and develop. If we don't, we have a short shelf life as leaders, especially in this day and age. If you are a leader and not a learner, you're going to have a really, really short shelf life. Um, You're going to you're going to have a tendency to be put in positions that where your strengths have taken you farther than your weaknesses can sustain you. Uh, and that's a really dangerous place to be if you're not, you know, keeping yourself growing and moving forward both spiritually and from a, 
a leadership development standpoint. Yeah, de- definitely. Now, um, as as I'm talking to pastors, most pastors and church leaders um, that I know all believe that leadership development is valuable, right? And now, is is that what you're finding as you travel the country and speak? Do church oh, leaders totally. see leadership development as important? So we actually did uh, um, research with almost 2,000 pastors, and we asked them, you know, how important is um, is uh, training and leadership development to the health and growth of your church. 92% said, yes, it is critical. Uh, in the business world, if you ask the same question, uh, oddly enough, there's more research there. 86% of them would say the same. They would answer the question the same way. Interesting. The interesting thing is in the church, uh, only one in four churches actually has any plan in place to make that happen. So while they would say it was critical, they don't have a plan in place to actually make that happen. The The other interesting thing is if you look at evangelism, you'd find the same, almost exactly the same stat. So wow. I'm a data guy. I love, I love data. So anytime we do anything, we want to make sure that we're giving people what they need, uh, sometimes what they want, but um, right, right, <laughs> we're giving right. people what they need as well. No, that's good now. So, so church leaders are saying leadership development is important, but their actions are kind of saying something different. So, so right. why aren't church leaders kind of following through? What do you see as the gap? Well, I'll, I'll say what research says, and then I'll tell you what I see. So research says when we follow up with those people and ask them, why aren't you developing people? They would say, we don't know how. And that doesn't mean, you know, they haven't uh, themselves been trained or, you know, have a, a seminary education or whatever, they'll say, yeah, I had that. But, you know, I had Greek and Hebrew, but nobody taught me how to develop preschool volunteers. Right. Um, or, you know, I, I just can't, no one person can possibly have, you know, all the skills necessary to be able to develop everybody in their church. I think that's what they're saying. The other one was they didn't have a framework. And the biggest one is they don't feel like they have time. Mm. Um, so then the real question is, well, how are you spending your time from that? But uh, that has been proven both through research and then in just talking to people because, you know, Sunday's always coming. Right. And it doesn't matter if they go to uh, a conference and get fired up um, unless they begin to implement something, you know, two or three weeks later, all that is gone uh, because Sunday's coming. And they're just like, man, if I can just get through uh, you know, the next couple of weeks or just get through this season, then I'll develop, you know, the training that I know I need or, and, and they never, they never get there. No, that, and that makes sense. So one is they just, many times they just don't know what to do or they, they haven't seen it, you know, and, and, um, and so they just know what to do. They don't have a real framework around it. And then you said that, you know, time is an issue. They don't feel they have time to actually develop leaders. So, um, in your research and just kind of real world application um, with pastors, what do you see is really the solution to kind of bridging the gap between this desire for leadership development to really be a priority within the church and actually making it happen, actually developing leaders? I mean, how can we how can we help pastors um, reprioritize their time and kind of their energy in this way? What, what, what's working? Well, I mean, I would say leadership development is both poetry and plumbing. It's, you know, it's absolutely vision that inspires, but it's actually the systems and processes that deliver on the dream. 
And so in most churches, we don't have leaders because we don't have the culture. We don't have leaders because we don't have the constructs to make that happen. And people will often, you know, we're great at preaching Ephesians 4, but you know, when I'm with a group of pastors, I purposefully gloss over Ephesians 4, and then we audit their time. And then they're ready to go back and look at Ephesians 4. Why? Because they've preached through it a ton. Uh, they, they know it as good or better than I do. And unless you can kind of confront them with, okay, here's, but how are you spending your time? It, it, you know, it, it can very quickly go, oh, well, I've heard all this before. Mm. So it, it really is coming back to, okay, now that I have this clear conviction, how am I going to change my culture? Well, culture is, is really shared values. And those shared values um, occur through common language. Uh, and believe it or not, structure and systems really creates your culture. Uh, it creates and reinforces culture. So, I mean, you know, the policies that you put into place, what you reward, how things happen, all of those things have a, a, a big, big impact on your culture. So how easy is it for people to serve at your church? You need to, you need to figure that out because to you as the staff, you think it's really easy. Oh, you're like, it's, well, it's just these three steps, one, two, three, four. And what you don't realize is it's, it may be easy for you because it's familiar to you, but I dare you to go back and audit it. That volunteer is serving in two or three areas of your church. If they're like most volunteers, did they have a similar onboarding process? How many different applications did they have to fill out in those different roles? Do they have a job description? Do they have, you know, kind of a role profile or clarity on what this looks like? Do they have similar onboarding? Do they have similar training? So all these different things speak volumes to volunteers. And in most cases, um, most churches don't have symmetry across uh, across their ministry areas. And that really it makes us look like jack wagons, really, to our, our volunteers, <laughs> and our key leaders. No doubt. So the people that are leaders, man, if you dump on them, uh, and that's what that's doing, mm. if you're just dumping them into a spot, their calendar is going to be full the next time around. And they're going to go, you know, serve or lead somewhere in their community where, where you know, their time is, is more valued. Yeah, no, no, that, that, makes, that makes perfect sense. And as you're talking about, you know, the, the, the need for these systems— um, I began to think of, um, you know, pastor friends that I know. And uh, what, what do you say to the pastor who really doesn't like systems or thinks that um, creating those types of structures is somehow taking away from the, you know, organic nature of, of the church? Well, I would first remind them that God is a God of systems and order. Um, the reason why they have the ability to uh, even have that conversation is because blood and oxygen are going through their circulatory system. Um, systems are not ungodly or unholy. I get that a lot from guys who are like, well, you know, you're too businesslike or you're a pragmatist or uh, whatever. And I'm like, no, you, you're, you're not a good steward, frankly. Mm. When you look in the Bible, you see two examples of leadership in the church. You see the shepherd and the steward. So I'm just saying, hey, you know, you need to be a shepherd with some teeth. Um, you, you need to, uh, you, you systems 
are a beautiful thing and they're created by God and we see them in nature constantly. So I don't understand why, uh, why we would dismiss those so easily. I think in part it's a generational thing. Uh, and frankly, I think we've thrown out some things that were really valuable, um, in church practice in the last 30 years. For instance, we've moved from maps to menus. So it used to be that, you know, you'd have mainline denominations who had a scope and sequence for discipleship or development. And it was, hey, here's the here's the specific steps somebody's going to take. Here are the, the destinations uh, along the way that somebody needs to go on. And we moved from that to a menu. So choose your own adventure, church growth said. Do whatever's right in your own mind, you know, book a judge's style. And we haven't gotten the the depth of development that we should. Uh, we thought we would for some strange reason, but we haven't seen that. Meanwhile, you have people spending less and less time at your church. So it's really, really important uh, not to waste people's time. If you can get them to show up to training, you want to make sure that it is a very valuable experience and they grow from it. The problem with traditional training is we bring people in and we train to the lowest common denominator in the room because mm. uh, it's a one size fits all when we need to think about, OK, how can I how can I do the same training with a different philosophy and framework around it so that I engage everybody in the process? So let's think circles and not rows. Let's give people the content in advance or deliver it live. I don't care. But. When we walk people through, let's move them through the types of questions that will allow anybody to participate and grow from it. So you're more advanced leaders. Let's look at small groups as an example. If I'm bringing together a small group training, I want to bring them around food. I want to bring them around tables. I want them to have uh, dialogue, not experience a monologue from me up front. Um, what I want them to engage with is to say, hey, we're going to talk about conflict management today or conflict resolution. All of you around the table have a different level of competency in this. So for the new people, um, I'm going to start out with opinion and observation questions because they can totally participate in that. Right. When you start to get into application and even implementation, that's when you're moving people through kind of a journey of of discovery at that table. Um, and everybody is allowed to participate. Um, the people who have a lot of experience are pouring into those others. They're actually learning it to a deeper level because again, they're learning from other people's experiences. And when they have an issue like that, that comes up in their group, they're much more likely to call that other leader or that coach rather than call you. Yeah, that, that's, that's fascinating. And as you were talking about that, I was thinking back to a comment you made earlier about um, this difference between leadership placement versus leadership development. And, and it seems like oftentimes in the church, uh, you know, there's there's a void in a ministry area within the church, right? And so we're like, hey, we need we need greeters. And so we're just looking for people that, you know, can smile and, um, you know, trying to fill these these voids and these holes. And, and that right. seems to be more of that placement mentality, whereas what you're talking about is really getting to that that development of of these people uniquely where they where they are on the journey within that. What I'm talking about is it's great that people have come into our church and they have understood Ephesians two, eight and nine. It's by grace that they've been saved. It's a gift of God. It's 
No, I, don't, yeah, I, I get that. But we need to effectively move them to Ephesians 2.10. They're God's workmanship. And he has created them for specific plans and purposes. He's got them prepared in advance. And I don't believe it's just handing out a bulletin or greeting someone at the door. That is housekeeping. Okay. Mm. I mean, that's just part of being a good family. Right, right. Uh, being a good family is taking care of our children and making sure people feel welcome. That's not where service begins and ends at the church. Baptism is not the finish line. It's the starting line. And until we, if we want to truly have an impact in our communities, we should be better at developing leaders and people than anybody. Uh, and And our community should look to us as a place that just builds great leaders, not just a friendly place or not just a great place to take your kids on a Sunday. That's just a farm system for the impact that our churches can have in the community because every single person in there, it's not just supposed to be a disciple, but to make disciples. Not everybody's supposed to become a pastor, but you know, when we talk about pipeline development, we're talking about, hey, not everybody is going to be the pastor. Success is not progression through the pipeline. Success is becoming who God's created you to be and multiplying yourself there. So if you're a volunteer, it's your job to recruit and develop other volunteers. I want you to move in and move from being a learner, understanding how this place works and how this role works and, and becoming proficient at whatever it is I'm asking you to do, like greeting, to leading in that to say, hey, I am proficient. I do have some mastery. I have competency in all the things that I need to be as a volunteer at this church and a greeter to now I'm going to multiply myself there. When I see somebody beginning to multiply themselves, that's when I know they're ready to lead. And likewise, when they're multiplying themselves as a leader, that's when I know they're ready to be a coach. But success isn't, you know, success isn't becoming the, the, the church person on staff. Success is growing in your discipleship and your development to have the greatest kingdom impact that you possibly can. Yeah, that that's so good, brother. And and I love how you how you frame that in regard to being part of the family. There are things that we do because we're part of the family. I think that's just a perfect um, perfect way to say that. You know, we take care of of the the kids in the nursery. We take care of the church. We we greet people. We welcome people. You know, we're hospitable. We do all those things because we're part of the family. And yet, God has so much more for us. And sometimes it seems we just get stuck there. And it sounds like you're saying precisely because we haven't prepared ourselves to help really develop leaders. We're just, you know, kind of plugging those holes in and saying, oh, you're doing a great job at serving. Uh, what, you, you talk about the leadership pipeline. Okay. Um, can, can you can you kind of dig a little more into that um, for our listeners to try to give them a, a little better grasp as to, you know, practically speaking, what that might look like in their church? Um, when pipeline is really philosophy and framework. Um, if you look at what we would say leadership pipeline is, I could give you like five different books to read that would go along with it. The framework itself is Ram Sharan, Leadership Pipeline. That's a business book. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say it's informed by Noel Tichy. It's informed by a, a bunch of other different um, authors as well. But the, the whole idea is to say, hey, I am going to have a, a systematic approach to development in my church. And it's not going to be organic. I'm going to say, hey, um, 
I have the, the core competencies that I know I want all my volunteers to have, all my leaders to have. I have all the role-based competencies I want for my volunteers and leaders and so on and so forth. It's, it's to say, I'm going to put a, a framework to this and give people clear, easy, obvious, and strategic steps um, along the way. So when we're looking at pipeline, um, we're saying odds are we've all been in a situation where we were given the keys to a significant ministry before we were ready. And we want to stop that just because somebody is a good uh, volunteer doesn't mean they're automatically going to be a good leader. And we do them a great disservice when we put them in that position and then train them versus having a systematic way to get them there and to get them from there to the next level and to the next level and to the next level. So all we're saying is, hey, let's back up. Let's make sure across our church we have alignment alignment in um, our systems and processes, alignment in our language. When we go in and do with this, this with a church, you'd be shocked about how many people, how many churches um, never make it past the structure and language phase, meaning they can't agree on what levels they have in their pipeline and what they want to call them. Uh, because, you know, there's some guy who's been the head usher for 20 years and nobody wants to tell him now that we've gone to three campuses, you're not in charge of all the ushers and we're going to call you um, a coach or, you know, whatever. Like it's right. it's insane. And so, I mean, I've actually been in a situation where there's two really large ministries who had transposed coach and coordinator. So in one ministry, a coach was above a coordinator and the other it was it was opposite but effectively those two levels did the same things they just had to find agreement and they literally it had to go finally to the senior pastor and executive pastor to make a decision on it wow it's crazy yeah. but it's really saying hey uh, when we're talking about pipeline it's establishing alignment across the core things so that when a volunteer comes in or they serve in multiple areas you have a clear role profile for them um, so that you can say, hey, a, a leader at our church um, has these core competencies. And then once they get the core competencies, they can serve anywhere at the church at that level very quickly. It's very quick to spin them up because they've already got the core competencies you want all your leaders to have. So they can be a small group leader or, you know, lead the usher team or whatever, because, you know, it, it it's the role-based competencies now that, that they have to focus on. Todd, yeah, and, and as you're saying that, talking about those core competencies, once they have those established, it sounds like then that's where they have the opportunity to kind of explore their giftedness. Because like you said, you know, maybe they, they step into a, a, you know, a leadership role in a small group, and maybe right. they don't feel that's necessarily where they're gifted. But because they have these core competencies, then they can – um, you know, more easily, you know, move into another area of ministry um, that might uh, better align with, you know, you know, how they how they sense God has created them. Totally. And, and it may just be that that happens that could happen somewhere else inside the church or it could happen outside the church. Oh, yeah. I mean, the bottom line is um, unless you have clarity on this, uh, it's going to be very difficult as a church to have a way that, you know, hey, this is how we do this here. But when you get there, 
it's a very, very powerful thing because then you can begin to talk about sending more and more people out uh, versus, you know, scrambling on Saturday to fill in three spots where people are missing. That's awesome. I'm sure lots of pastors listening or um, would love to would love to have that. Um, you know, the idea of, of thinking of sending people out as opposed to the scramble that you just said. But but I can also imagine that as they're listening to this, it, it really honestly sounds kind of like a lot of work, you know, to go through this this whole process. Todd, what tools and resources can help pastors develop this leadership pipeline? Well, I would say, um, you know, we talked, we, we alluded to it earlier, but you'll be able to download um, a copy of an ebook that lays out the philosophy and framework. We do specific coaching days that take people through, you know, all the steps uh, that you have to go through with really, really practical takeaways, everything that, that I do, I want it to be really practical. Sorry for sounding like a pragmatist, but, <laughs> um, you know, it's important for a church to be able to say, Hey, here's our template. You can take anything that I've developed and redo it and throw your, your logo on it. But to say, Hey, we've got the competencies already developed. It took me two years to do those. So it, we started out with, we, Basically, we worked with um, 18 people, uh, some executive pastors, and then people like uh, Brad Lominick, who founded Catalyst, uh, Will Mancini, Mac Lake, who, you know, are Oxano guys. And then the rest were really church practitioners. And in that, I just said, hey, I want, here, here's the levels, volunteer, leader, uh, ministry director, coach, you know, here are the levels. I want you guys alone by yourselves first. Tell me what competencies you think are needed at these levels in a church, universal, any church. So they did that. And we came back with 287 competencies that then we had to meet <laughs> for like a year to whittle down. Now hear me say, like some people are ready to turn off the podcast right there. <laughs> We didn't, you know, end with 287 competencies because these are competencies for multiple levels, right? So we ended up figuring out, I think the second time that we met, that we could put these into six different categories, discipleship, vision, strategy, collaboration, people development, and stewardship. Once we got them into those categories, then if you looked at the volunteer level, it would be like, hey, here's what a person looks like with this competency. Uh, here's what that competency looks like. Here's what competency and discipleship looks like at the leader level. Here's what the competency looks like at the ministry director level. And here's what it looks like at the senior level of the church. And then it was like, okay, well, who am I going to get to do that? Well, Paul Tripp is, does discipleship and he does all, you know, you've got one voice speaking into that one vertical. Uh, Will Mancini, who if people are really into vision, they know who that is. He does vision. Uh, Eric Geiger does strategy. Jenny Catron does uh, um, collaboration. Mac Lake does people development. Doddridge does uh, stewardship. I mean, I just got the best people that I could um, to develop that core content. So that is the example of core competencies. Uh, and then we would say, you know, on the other side of it, yeah, you're an usher or yeah, you lead a small group. What's your specific pathway? You know, you're, you're an individual person who's serving in an individual ministry area. So while I would say every church needs a pipeline, I'd say every individual person needs a pathway. So once you've got your core competency, you know, you're probably going to serve in several different ministries of the church um, over the course of your lifetime. So 
inside and outside the church. So once you've got that core, then let's talk about the the role-based stuff. And in the end, um, it moves you from basically onboarding. Because if you remember that research, I said only one in four churches actually has, you know, a plan in place. When you scratch that and look under the surface, you see that that's onboarding. It's not ongoing training. Mm. It's simply onboarding into a ministry. Uh, So we've lost that element of long-term ongoing uh, development unless we we put people on, you know, that pathway to say, hey, I want you to come into this position. You're learning it. Then you move from learner to leader. And finally, I want you to multiply yourself. So I don't care if you become the small groups pastor at our church. But, you know, if I can move you to the coaching position and and you your legacy becomes not what you do, but who you develop. That's an amazing thing. That's what I really want people listening to this to understand. Our job as pastors is to develop people. And when you get to heaven, it's not going to be your legacy is not going to be something that you've done. It's going to be the people that you've developed. Mm. And it's going to be the, the, the pinned tweet that I have at the top of my feed is, is this, um, leaders understand that their fruit grows on other people's trees. Mm. So when we can grasp that, right. And we can give that away when we can be, self-confident to understand that if we do this right, we are going to develop people that will pass us. That's awesome. And we need to be cool with that. Yep. Yep. (laughs) That's so good. And if we do that, we're never going to be out of a job. People do often, they have a fear of, well, if I develop all these people or if I lift these people up, then, you know, I'm going to be out of a job. You're never going to work yourself out of a job. If you're, if you're producing rock stars, if rock stars are coming up around you, you're always going to have a job. That's a great point. That's a great point. So, uh, Todd, it sounds like your team at Lifeway Leadership has already done a lot of the kind of the heavy lifting around this whole idea of leadership pipeline. And I know you mentioned you mentioned earlier, and, and we appreciate your generosity. Uh, we have that that awesome resource that you're making available free to all of our church leaders, listeners. Um, that that book that you've written entitled Developing Your Leadership Pipeline. So thank you for that. Um, everyone can go to churchleaders.com slash pipeline to get their copy of, of that awesome resource. But you have other resources that you've okay. helped develop to really help churches catch this um, to ultimately, ultimately, you know, make a make an impact for the kingdom. So, so what are some of the other things you've got going on? We do uh, two conferences each year. Um, so coming up October... 11th, 12th, and 13th, you've got Pipeline, which is in Nashville. The The conference itself is only one day, and it is specifically aligned around uh, the core competencies of Pipeline. So I know lots of conferences say they're an unconference. Um, we would just say, hey, this is way more than a conference. It's, it's really philosophy and framework and almost indoctrination into this. Uh, the two days before and after are really coaching days. Um, one is on pipeline, uh, and then the other is on uh, succession, which is really meant to be the second part of that. And when I say succession, I'm talking about succession at every level, and I'm not talking about senior pastor succession, and I'm not talking about replacement. When people think succession, I want to help them see that it's about reproduction, and you're not a success until you've been succeeded, so to speak. But that's the, the the really big thing that we see happen is the coaching days actually sell out before before the conference does. But I will say this: um, 
if somebody goes to myleadershippipeline.com and enters church leaders 30, they'll get um, a 30% discount on the conference and, um, and those coaching days until it sells out. It sold out last year. So I think it will probably sell it this year. Awesome. But that's, uh, and then the, uh, the pipeline West is actually in February, um, February 22nd out in California. Cool. LA. So one more time, what was the URL for the, the conference and the coaching? Uh, that would be myleadershippipeline.com. Myleadershippipeline.com. And then mm-hmm. you're giving all of our listeners uh, a promo code churchleaders30. Yep. Very cool. So, um, man, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule. I know I know you're busy uh, uh, working on all of this stuff and working with churches all over the country and even all over the world. I know you're in Australia recently um, coaching some churches, so it's awesome stuff. Um, but thank you for taking the time and uh, sharing this this very important piece of what it means for us to be pastors, really. And that's what I loved in, in what you're sharing. You know, this isn't just some church strategy stuff. This is um, legitimately the role of pastors, you know, that we are equipping people to do the ministry of the church. And we want to do that as effectively as we possibly can um, as we seek to honor God. So thank you. Thank you for all the good work that you are doing at Lifeway Leadership, you and your team, and uh, for being here with us, brother. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And um, I'd love to love to come back sometime. Awesome, my friend. Well, God bless you. And uh, again, we will have links in the show notes to um, all the resources that we discussed. And uh, we just appreciate your generosity as well. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Every week, as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they can benefit uh, from these interviews as well. And again, we thank you in advance. If you have any comments, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website, churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.